Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. What does it mean to be blessed? When we pray and when we ask the Lord to bless us, what, what are we saying? What does that mean? Does it mean to be happy? Does it mean to be safe and secure? Does it mean that we're comfortable and we're content? What does it mean when we say, Lord, bless me, when we want to be blessed? In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us what it looks like to be blessed. But let me give a little bit of background first. In the Bible, Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7 is what we would call the Sermon on the Mount. We typically think of it as one sermon. We picture Jesus sitting along a mountainside with all kinds of people gathered around him. And then Jesus is preaching and he's teaching. Matthew 5.1 says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So, yes, Jesus did teach and preach, and he taught up along a mountainside. But Matthew 5-7 to is probably not one message. It's probably not just one sermon. It's more than likely a collection. It's a summary of some of the things that Jesus taught. The Sermon on the Mount can be read in 10 minutes. I am very confident to say that Jesus spent more than 10 minutes teaching and preaching. But these words taught by Jesus, summarized and written in the Gospel of Matthew, are very deep, very powerful, and very important. They have a profound message for us. The sermon doesn't teach us how to live so that we can enter into the kingdom of God. The Sermon on the Mount doesn't teach us how to live so that we can enter the kingdom of God. The sermon teaches us how to live as people who are in the kingdom of God. In those three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, all sorts of attitudes and actions are brought up. Things like, Conflict and hypocrisy, obedience, materialism, forgiveness, mercy, loyalty, wisdom, love, work, prayer, discernment. Lots of different things are brought up just in these short three chapters in the Gospel of Matthew. So let's consider what Jesus taught and let's begin with that question. What does it mean to be blessed. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 through 12 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecute the prophets who were before you. We call this list the Beatitudes. The word Beatitude comes from a Latin word that means blessed and happy. Each quality is a character trait. And each character trait is best described as blessed. Eight Beatitudes, eight character qualities. Jesus says, if this is you, if this is you, if this describes you, then you are truly blessed. So what does it mean to be blessed? Well, get ready because we're going into an eight-point sermon. There's eight qualities. We're going to talk about all eight. Actually, I'm going to quickly talk about each Beatitude, and then I really want to just sum it up and get the big picture. So here we go. First, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why are they blessed? Why are the poor in spirit blessed? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, if, you're, if your bank account is full, if your fridge is full, if your house and your garage is full, then you're not poor. But if your bank account is empty, your fridge is empty, and everything is empty. That's real poverty. That is poor. Being poor in spirit means that spiritually we're empty. Being poor in spirit means you cannot provide for yourself. Being poor in spirit means that you need help. And Jesus says, when you're poor in spirit, that's when the kingdom is yours. When you're poor in spirit... That's when the kingdom is yours. The first step, the very first step in giving our life to Jesus is admitting that we are poor and broken. It's acknowledging our sin, recognizing our, our guilt, and knowing that we just have this desperate need for God. Being poor in spirit, it's a recognition of our moral failure and our unworthiness before God. It's a humble shame and a desperate need. It's knowing that our only hope, our only hope is the goodness and the grace of God. The Bible tells us that every single one of us is spiritually bankrupt. Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. We, we are all spiritually bankrupt. But not everyone is blessed. We're only blessed when we admit and we acknowledge our poverty. We're only blessed when we let that spiritual poverty lead us to Jesus. Because here's what Jesus does. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus took our spiritual poverty to the cross, and then through Jesus we become spiritually rich. Blessed 
are the poor in spirit. And then the next beatitude is kind of similar. It's very similar. It says, blessed are those who mourn. This quality is our attitude about our spiritual condition. When we recognize that we're spiritually empty, how does that make us feel? Is there regret? Is there remorse? Does it make us sad? There are many things that move us to tears. We, we would cry when someone we love passes away. We would cry when we see someone that we care about who's in pain. We would cry when there's unwanted changes that occur in our life. But this beatitude causes us to ask, do we mourn over our sin? Do we mourn over our sin? You remember what happened when King David and you remember what happened with King David and a woman named Bathsheba. His army was at war, but he did not go. And so one night from the roof of his palace, he noticed a woman. And he watched her. And he wanted her. So he sends for her. And even though she's married, he initiates an affair with her. The affair leads to a pregnancy, and first David tries to cover it up, but that doesn't work. So then he essentially plans it out so that her husband is killed in battle. Well, soon after, a prophet of God confronts David about all of this sin. And David's reaction was something to note. He, 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 he doesn't get defensive. He doesn't try to justify his actions. He breaks down. And, and he grieves. He mourns over his sin. Here's what he wrote in uh, Psalm 38, verse 4 through 8. This is David. He says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There's no health in my body. I'm feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. Do you, do you feel that agony? Do you see what David is going through because of his sin? He felt the regret and the shame of his sin. He felt it even to the point of physical agony. He mourned over his sin. Jesus said those who mourn will be comforted. 2 Corinthians 7, 8 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. If the grief of our sin leads to repentance, which then leads to salvation, we can have comfort knowing that our sins are forgiven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek. That doesn't sound right, does it? That doesn't sound how we typically think. We think blessed are the strong, blessed are the aggressive, blessed are the ambitious. That makes more sense, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. Those that are meek are blessed. Jesus said, they will inherit the earth. You see, the Bible tells us that there will be a final day. 
There will be a judgment, and then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Well, who's going to live in that new place? Who is the new earth for? It's for those who are meek. So what does it mean to be meek? Well, meek does not equal weak. Meek isn't a lack of strength. Meek is actually strength that's restrained. Strength that's under control. Meek is when we submit to who we are. We, meek is when we submit who we are to who Jesus is. The new earth is meant for those who are meek, those who have submitted, surrendered to Christ. It's meant for us, for those who are in Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We know what it is to be hungry, and we know what it is to be thirsty. That's how our body is designed to tell us that we physically need nourishment. When, we're, when we need nourishment, our body sends out these signals and we become hungry and we become thirsty. But what about our spiritual nourishment? Well, too often, we don't ignore those signs. I mean, we do ignore those signs. Too often, we just neglect those feelings, that craving. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who desire or who crave spiritual nourishment. Blessed are those who desire to become more righteous, to grow in their faith. Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Is that real for us? Is that real? Do we hunger and thirst for the living God? Do we have that desire to have more and more of God in our lives? Are we chasing that down? Are we hunting that down? Are we wanting that more and more? Are we craving that? We're blessed when we do. And then we're also blessed when we give mercy. The next beatitude is, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. When I think of this, when I think of the word mercy, I always think of when I was a kid. You know, does anyone remember playing that game called mercy? It, it's a wrestling thing. It's like two boys wrestling in the yard one of them pins the other one down and he holds him down and the boy on the bottom starts saying let me up let me up and then the boy that's got him pinned down says say mercy say mercy mercy is an act of kindness and often it's an act of kindness from someone who's stronger it's an unexpected kindness it's an undeserved kindness justice is when you get what you deserve Mercy is when you don't. God is a merciful God. He does not give us what we deserve. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 5 says, At one time 
We too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. God calls us to show mercy. John Piper said it like this, Mercy comes from mercy. Our mercy to each other comes from God's mercy to us. You get the power to show mercy from the real feeling in your heart that you owe everything you are and have to sheer divine mercy. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. And blessed are the pure in heart. The heart represents who we are. It's the essence of who we are. And Jesus said, blessed are those who are pure in heart. Jesus confronted the Pharisees about being more concerned about the outward stuff. He confronted the Pharisees. He said, you all are more concerned about what things look like on the outside than you are concerned about what's really on the inside. Matthew 23, verse 25 through 28 says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. These are such strong words from Jesus. He's saying, don't be so concerned about the appearance and how things look from the outside. Clean up the inside. Noble Staten summarizes this idea in his book called Check Your Character, and he says this. He says, the Pharisees were concerned about clean hands, but God's concerned about clean hearts. The Pharisees were concerned about ritual purity, but God is concerned about real purity. Here's the deal. Pure hearts, having that purity of heart, is not possible without God. Because only God has the power to change our hearts. James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Pure hearts come from submitting to God. Pure hearts come when we resist temptation and we refuse to sin. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And the next beatitude is blessed are the peacemakers. You know, the opposite of peace is conflict. The opposite of peace is conflict. There's conflict all around us. And Jesus says, we as his people are meant to be peacemakers. That means that we rise above the conflict. That means that we speak truth into the conflict. That means we turn the other cheek and we go the extra mile. Ken Sanday, president of Peacemaker Ministries, 
described a peacemaker, and he said it like this. He said, peacemakers are people who breathe grace. They draw continually on the goodness and power of Jesus Christ, and then they bring his love, mercy, forgiveness, strength, and wisdom to the conflicts of daily life. God delights to breathe his grace through peacemakers and use them to dissipate anger, improve understanding, promote justice, and encourage repentance and reconciliation. I love that. I love that. Isn't that such a wonderful explanation of what it means to be a peacemaker? And then the final beatitude is, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. As Christians, we will face some level of persecution. It, it may not be life-threatening. It's interesting that persecution is, a, is at an all-time high. There are more Christians being killed today than ever before, being killed for their faith. We're going to face it. And for some of us, for many of us, it's not going to be life-threatening. But that doesn't mean it's not there. It may not be life-threatening, but it'll be some type of discomfort, pain, some type of mistreatment. There'll be times when your faith puts you in a very uncomfortable place. There'll be times when you have to make a choice. Do I stand up for the faith or do I make a little compromise? Persecution forces us to make that choice. Stand and defend and keep the faith and face the consequences, which may not be all that great. Or give in, compromise, concede, fit in, and avoid the pain. What will we do? That's a question we need to think about. That's a question we need to answer. Jesus says, when you face persecution because of your faith, you are blessed. You're going through something hard, through something difficult because you're trying to walk the faith. You're blessed. You're blessed. If you're feeling that tension, that conflict, if you're feeling that because of your faith, you're blessed. We tend to think that we're blessed if everything feels good. Jesus, with this, is saying the exact opposite. If you're feeling tension and hardship because of your faith, that's when you're blessed. Jesus says when you face persecution because of your faith, it's a blessing. Eight different personal qualities. And when they are applied to our life, we are blessed. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. We went through those very quickly. And I don't know if you noticed this or not, but this list doesn't seem quite right. This list just seems off. In fact, it seems opposite of what it should be. Because at first glance, it doesn't feel like any of this would be a blessing. Poor in spirit, impoverished, mourning, meek, Hungry and thirsty, merciful, pure, peaceful, persecuted. Those aren't qualities that we typically aspire to. But Jesus flips the script. That's what he does. 
Remember, Jesus once said that the first will be last and the least would be the greatest. You see, some have said that Jesus leads us in an upside-down kingdom. Leaders are servants. Enemies are loved. The humble are exalted. The guilty are set free. And we are blessed with these beatitudes. Recognizing our sin and unworthiness. Regretting our sin, feeling sorrow for it. Holding back our strength, submitting having a deep craving and desire to grow in our faith, showing mercy for others, striving for purity in our hearts, making an effort for peacefulness, and enduring a mistreatment or a discomfort or a hardship because of our faith. That's when we are blessed. That's when we're blessed. The Sermon on the Mount calls us to a different life. And it begins with the Beatitudes. Jesus cares about how we live our life. He cares about our character. And he cares about our conduct. And he said, as Christians, right after the Beatitudes here, he says, as Christians, you are salt of the earth and light of the world. We're meant to make a difference. Salt and light make a difference. We're called to preserve the faith to keep the faith, to add flavor and have a positive influence in this life. We're meant to give direction to a lost world, to show the way, to lead others to safety. To finish, here's something that I would challenge you with. <clears throat> a friend of mine had this written in his Bible. Uh, it's this. Try applying these Beatitudes to your life. Apply these Beatitudes and then see if you're not blessed. Will you join me as we pray? God, you have called us to something much different. Much different than what this world values and teaches. The least will be the greatest. The last will be first. And we'll be blessed with these different qualities in our life. When we recognize our guilt, own our sin, when we regret and are ashamed because of our sin. When we're meek and hold back strength, not powering over others. When we strive for purity, when we make an effort to have peacefulness, when we crave more and more of you in our lives. And even when we go through the hardships because of our faith, God, we are blessed. So God, we are grateful people for your grace that leads us, that emboldens us, that gives us strength, that also comforts us. God, may we walk in faith all the days of our life. May we apply these Beatitudes, and may we be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. And if you'd like to leave a comment, please send an email to c.wordspodcast at gmail.com. May the Word of God be living and active in your life.